Guide us, O God, by your word and spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover your peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Old Testament reading this morning comes from uh, Deuteronomy 10, 12 through 13. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commandments and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good? Our second reading this morning comes from the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 9 through 13. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Our gospel reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20, verses 20 through 28. You can find this on page 1530 and 1531 of the Pew Bible. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and, kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want? he asked. She said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right, and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the word of God for the people of God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. While they certainly wouldn't yet have the words of Romans, the disciples would have known quite well the words of the Psalms and Deuteronomy. They had spent several years following Jesus and watching him serve them and serve others, dedicating his whole life to God, calling for humility, service, meekness, knowing that James and John don't always come out of this passage looking like they have a clue what's been going on around them. James and John have their mom make a request for them that seems totally reasonable to them, 
but even the other disciples can see how inconsiderate and proud it is. The other ten disciples are perhaps appropriately indignant when this request is made. I can just picture them turning aside to one another and whispering, wait a minute, did they just ask if they can sit by him in heaven? Did they seriously send their mom to ask him that instead of asking themselves? Do they really think they are that much better than the rest of us? I wonder, though, how James and John saw this request. They were, after all, asking for heavenly, heavenly placement, not riches on earth. They were asking to be the nearest ones to Jesus. Perhaps they were looking for some sort of confirmation that they were indeed beloved by Jesus. After all, James and John are two of the three disciples we see in Jesus' inner circle, along with Peter. Perhaps they wanted to know for sure that they were following well enough, doing the right things, loving Jesus enough. Perhaps they simply didn't understand the nature of the salvation and forgiveness that Jesus was offering. Perhaps they really were just thinking only of themselves and eternal glory. Most likely it wasn't that simple, and there were a number of those and other factors at play. We aren't really told their motivations in whole. But we are told that they hurt the feelings of the other disciples. These 12 men had all been faithfully following Jesus for several years, they were increasingly in more and more danger as they did so. I can only imagine the bonds of friendship and brotherhood that developed in that time. And here are two of them, two of the ones closest to Jesus, asking Jesus to pass up all the others and put them in his favored place. And they didn't even ask directly. They sent their mom in to do the dirty work. No wonder the other ten were indignant. Their feelings had been hurt. What about us, they demand. And Jesus is so gentle in his reply. He kindly tells James and John, not their mother. It says them in the English, but in the Greek, the them is a masculine men. He is speaking to James and John because he knows who's really behind this question. They have no idea what they are asking for. And it's not even something he's able to grant them in entirety anyway. This is not all about eternal glory, friends, he tells them. And then, interestingly enough, he turns and offers a lecture to the other ten as well. Not words of comfort, not take it easy on James and John, they were just clueless. No, he scolds them for pretty much the same things he just scolded James and John for. Why were their feelings hurt? Because James and John thought they were owed more privilege than the others. And that meant that the others weren't going to get what they thought they deserved because of it. When it came down to it, all 12 were thinking about nobody but themselves first and foremost. So, as Jesus tends to do, he took the whole situation, turned it upside down, and shook it a bit. You guys, Jesus says. If I ever finish a full translation of the Bible, it will have Jesus saying you guys a lot. You guys, if you want to be truly great, then set aside all illusions of power. 
Forget being in charge of something. It's not about being the one who can manage to get the closest to God or have the best seat in heaven. It's about realizing that everyone is equally deserving of a great seat in heaven. And because of that, everyone is equally deserving of a great seat here on earth. So start worrying less about your own selves and more about serving the people around you. And Jesus didn't just ask that others serve without himself getting in the dirt and serving with them and even serving them directly. Jesus didn't ask them to martyr themselves without offering his own life as well. James and John indeed had no idea what they were asking for and they were asking for the wrong reasons. But Jesus still did not request of them to do anything that he himself was not willing to do. Jesus serves us, friends. The master of the universe serves us. We are asked to die to ourselves in submission, like we talked about last week. But that's nothing Jesus didn't do for us first we are not called to an easy road as Christians. We are called to the road that Jesus paved for us. Read the last few chapters of any of the four Gospels if you aren't convinced that we are called to follow a Savior who blazed an exceptionally difficult path. The Christian life is not about who gets to sit next to Jesus in heaven. It's not about getting what we deserve. It's not about being served by others. We are taught in our culture to look out for number one, even when it comes to eternity in some cases. There are far more hymns in most hymn books celebrating our own place in heaven than there are hymns that celebrate a life of service and mission. Most of the best-loved scripture passages are ones that assure us of our own salvation and God's love for us, which is certainly worth celebrating. But I think most of us would rather recite the 23rd Psalm each morning than wake up to a poster that says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. It's also far easier to do service that looks big or perhaps feels like it filled our quota or that people notice than it is to be a real servant. I read an article recently called, Your Mission Trip Selfies Aren't Helping Anyone, But They Could Be Hurting. It talked about how sometimes we can get trapped in the glamour of import, important-sounding service to the point where we forget about the very basic service of offering dignity, safety, and empowerment to others. It's a deep exploration of our motivations when we serve others. We have to be careful that we aren't just serving to sit next to Jesus or because we feel we have an obligation to do a certain number of good deeds. We shouldn't be serving just so we can have a really great Facebook profile picture. We must serve from a heart of service, a heart that doesn't care if anyone ever notices what it's done for them or others. Often, the best way to examine the state of your heart in regards to service is to see how you serve, not on a weekly basis or a monthly basis as a registered volunteer with something, but how you serve in smaller, less formal ways. 
I saw a woman pull over last winter to the side of the road and take off her gloves, handing them out the car window to a very obviously cold homeless woman. She knew she'd get nothing in return, and she probably didn't figure anyone would really see it. She was alone in her car, so nobody she knew saw this happen anyway. She had a servant's heart. I had a server at a restaurant blown away recently that my kids were so polite. They said please and thank you and treated her with respect and gentleness. Please don't think that my kids are always like that. They were just on their game that night. This is not a I'm a great parent brag. But that was service. My children were serving those who serve through common courtesy, through grace, through understanding. I saw a great news story yesterday. There was a coffee shop owner who got sick of people treating his staff rudely. So he changed his prices for coffee. This is brilliant. A small coffee was $5. A small coffee, please, was $3. And I would like a small coffee, please, was $1.75. Now, it's awful that he actually had to go that far to get people to consider his staff with a little bit of manners and dignity. But I think that's a great example of how far a little bit of courtesy and respect can go. Not always worried about how you are being served, but how you are serving. Service is not always big actions. Now, it certainly is the big stuff, for the record. It is participating in church outreach and service. It's helping out organizations like Intersection and Kairos and the animal shelters and the veterans. It's going on service trips to help clean up from disasters and wars and poverty. It's taking in widows and orphans as part of our family. But it's also letting that guy who is in such a hurry go ahead of you in the merging lane, because in the long run, it really doesn't matter. It's holding a door open and saying please and thank you. It's stopping to pick up something somebody else dropped. It's taking an hour or two out of your busy day to visit a lonely relative or drop off a meal for someone who is sick or who just had a new baby. It's giving over your whole self for the benefit of all the people around you, realizing that Jesus didn't just give himself over as a ransom for you, but for whomever that person across the counter from you is, and for the person in the car that just cut you off, and the person with the off-leash dog that nearly ate your face in the park, I might be personalizing just a little bit this week. While there is quite the opposite of earthly glamour in serving others as Jesus did, there is a heavenly reward, but not that special seat in heaven that James and John we're seeking. You don't get upgraded there for being nicer than the person sitting next to you. There is no first class in heaven. But a place in the kingdom on earth and in the work of Jesus here and in heaven. It's not about what you're going to get in heaven. It's about how many people you are serving so that they too might see a glimpse of heaven here on earth. Seeing Jesus here, so that one day they can join Jesus in heaven as well. Amen.